0: I don't even know what we're going to talk about. So,
1: <laughs> I like when someone records Zoom gives you the option to leave. It's like I'm <laughs> out of here, <laughs> protest.
0: A mad dash. So, what is? What are we talking about today? More dope, or?
2: Well, did, did you do... have any? Did you have any specific things that you wanted to talk
0: about? Um. Nope. go go ahead, just
1: there was this stuff about the poor oh yeah remember, we could always talk like about that too. couple ago
0: yeah that's another topic we could go down um the only thing about job that was kind of came to my mind which you just brought it up i think too sherry right before cal left with the um would you condemn me that you may be just but it seemed because this verse sticks out to me where it's he god's talking about the leviathan and he tells job there's one part and he says lay your hand on him remember the battle and that always kind of reminded me of uh, i think jordan peterson when he talks about uh not getting resentful like how you have cain and bad stuff how he'll talk about the story of cain and abel and i'll be like sometimes god just doesn't accept your offering and you don't really know why and you have this chance to get offended or something and then um and that's kind of uh I guess the reason it sticks out to me is because I the last line of the Leviathan where it talks about he's king over it says something weird like he's king over all the children of pride or something like that Mm. and so it's it's like you have this opportunity where you're confused to get offended at God or something and it's kind of like you're wrestling with that that giant serpent in those times to try to
2: I don't know what conversation it was that I had Fairly recently, maybe I don't know if it was with Jess or or if it was with um, Nate and Jed or what, but I said something like, um, "Your childness, your childishness, needs to be offended at some point." You know, That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it it is, but if you think about it, it it, it it's kind of the what Jess was talking about when he talked to you about initiation ceremonies right where no you don't get to hang from the teat (laughs) you know and and um and so yeah you have to be you have to I, i i don't know i just i i kind of like the word offended there because Because whatever happens after that is, is an offense to you. Right. And, and, um, but that's, that's part of that withdrawal. So in your own life, you know, your parents withdraw, right. And let, and, and let you grow up so to speak, but then you get to reintegrate it later on in your life. You, the childishness. Oh, I know it was, uh, no, I can't remember what conversation it was, but um you know hopefully you still you know you still have access to that right um and and you get to reintegrate it like this is what Douglas Harding's
3: four stages of life is about really
0: so the um the getting offended is kind of like a a leaving the house or turning your back and going out and kind of finding yourself kind of part of the U-shaped journey or something
2: i mean you see it in the wild with animals you know they send away the young right mm-hmm. and that yeah. and, and they offend them in order to get them to leave you have to Let's see okay. right? yeah yeah they have to the the, the 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 baby deer has to feel some kind of offense it has to be strong enough that he's not coming back because mommy mommy's gonna hurt me if i do you know it's pretty. It's pretty strong. That's why I think the word offense works the best. Uh-huh. It's not an encouragement. It's not like, oh, you know, you can do this, and I'll be there for you. Like that. <laughs> it's like get lost and don't come back. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's
0: good. That's a lot to think about. Mm-hmm.
3: Our
1: Our uh-huh. neighbors, when I was like a teenager, they found a a little deer that had been left um so the the older son had brought it to the house and they like fed it milk and stuff and raised this little deer they thought it was a girl so they called it um daisy may ended up it was a boy so they changed the name to davy ray (laughs) (laughs) but it just started it like i mean it lived in the house for a long time and and then like as it got bigger it would go outside and it'd come back in and then like eventually they just like they would leave the door open for it and it would, would go out and come back because food was here and stuff. Eventually like it would just go further and further and then um, come back less and less, be gone for days and come back for a couple of days. And then eventually it just left and never came back mm-hmm. just about mm-hmm. at the time that it should have.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminded me, when you were talking about that, Sherry, that uh, brought this up to Craig, I think, the other day, because we were talking about kind of that theme of uh, where the the mother has to die or something, and then in Bambi, I just remember there's not much dialogue in that movie, and there's that one scene where his mom gets shot, and all his dad, his dad shows up, and all his dad says to him is just, your mom can't be with you anymore, and then it just like walks off, and I was just like, ouch, man, he's just... Stuck. He's got to figure it out. Yeah, uh, but that seems to be it. Seems to happen yeah. in stories uh, often. Either the mo- the mother dies, or it's like you're thrust out of the womb. I guess you could say.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: What was it about the poor that you wanted to talk about, Jess?
1: I don't know. Jason mentioned something about the poor a yeah. of weeks ago. I can't I remember have- specifically what the
0: yeah well it's just kind of the idea of um and luke johnston i mean i know you know him sherry he he brought it up before of like just him he might be i might be too late to send him an email now i could but he might be busy but um he he had mentioned going to he had been to africa before as well and just seeing the how the people live there who have very minimal stuff and when one of your your guys' conversations when you were t- talking about Job, you had mentioned something similar to that. You were on a topic for a little bit about um, just learning from uh, people that have less and how you can learn a lot from people that are actually in poverty. Um, and so it was just kind of that idea. It just There's this song, and I don't even know that I like the song or any of the lyrics to it, but the title of it was always Lessons from What's Poor. And that just kind of mm. popped into my head. And I was like, that might be a fun topic to get on and just see um from what your guys have experienced in your life and what you've uh been around and engaged in if you've uh, what you've learned from uh people in poverty, I guess. Like just observing them or
1: well what was funny is like we were talking about um the like we are talking about the poor and then it was talking about my experience in like um some poorer areas of the world because I've been to like the Philippines and India and some places where there's 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 places of extreme poverty um and so i started (laughs) i think i was me and you me and you sherry we were talking uh about uh the philippines and i brought up smoky mountain which is that trash Mm -hmm. dump outside of manila And so I was trying to use it as an example, but as I told the story and thought about it, I was like, I was like, those poor people were not happy. (laughs) They were not like, and I like had to, I like had to rethink, I was like, that's not the right example (laughs) because they were, (laughs) they were actually miserable and, and like there were kids running around and stuff and um, like,
2: Probably a lot of, of course, the
1: kids were happy to see us and like they were kind of running around and making jokes, and we were playing around with them and stuff. I was like 13 at the time. Um, but then the so then I thought of that. An example was it was in Manila, but it wasn't in the on Smoky Mountain, it was uh, it was in uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, like a squatter village, like where people just they don't own the land. They, they just started building. And so it's like, it's like a whole just wall to wall, little huts and stuff that people manage to piece together from, you know, tin and wood and, you know, cinder blocks and all kinds of stuff. And then they splice up into the, into the power lines and run some power cables down. Like everything's, uh, you know, just sort of whatever people can manage there were some lovely people there that were so kind to us Christian um Filipinos that that brought us into their little home and showed us around and were you know they they were extremely poor but very um I don't know just great like lovely people like really good people yeah and um And I don't know, like, like I remember in those squatter villages, like just like, of course there, there was like alcohol abuse and, um, drugs and stuff and crime that was, you know, up around, but there was, you know, it wasn't like, you know, that you see in somewhere like, I don't know, in, in like, uh, what's the place down in LA, the, just the drug ridden, um, area where people are place
2: okay. down alley i think it's everywhere now
1: well <laughs>
2: <laughs> from what i've heard
1: <laughs> what's that place called it, it's uh anyway I don't like know. like there was actually like pockets of actual community and actual people that that you know were joyful and would eat together and yeah uh, stuff like that would which, which you know and they were they were very poor and then You know, comparing that to you you'll have American or Western suburbs with people that are, you know, very wealthy and just miserable in their houses all by themselves, isolated from each other. And um
2: I think they can afford to, you know, like there's there's varying degrees or not degrees, but states of poverty, let's put it like that. Something like Mm -hmm. that, you know, where You have, um, like, maybe a material. You live in a material poverty where you don't have a home or whatever. But you can always, you can also live in like a psychological poverty or or spiritual poverty. You know, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and, um, I remember that conversation that we had on about the poor, and one of the things that we were talking about during that was gratitude and how a lot of people who are materially impoverished um, just having an, like an excessive amount of gratitude for the littlest things any any little thing that just makes life easier or enriches their life in some way right mm-hmm. and I mean I know that a little bit just from living on the land like you can be so grateful for a certain garden tool that you recently acquired, and all of a sudden, everything is easier. Usually, it has a lot to do with that, you know, making making your life easier, right? More comfortable. But I think that even the rich can be impoverished, right? In that they're psychologically and spiritually impoverished, and and can also, therefore, show a lot of gratitude for um receiving the thing that they need that makes them more makes their life easier or more comfortable, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's spiritual or or psychological.
1: Yeah, I worked for I worked for a lawyer. Um it was for this business, but she was hired on staff and um I was working with her with a small team and she her husband was also a lawyer. He had his own practice. They're, they're very wealthy. Um, and she was the most grateful, kind one of the kindest people I've ever met. Like mm-hmm. she was, she was wonderful in every way. Like, in, <laughs> like this is how wealthy she was. She had never been to a target or a Walmart. Right. And, and like we were, like when we found that out, we were we were like, You've never been to Target? Like, where do you what do you go to get like a pot or a pan? And she was like, William Sonoma. And that's like the fancy place where like everything's hundreds of dollars.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and, uh, and and she just lives like there there would be moments like that where I'm like, Oh, you live in a different world than me. But yeah. but as but as far as like her as a person, like she showed as much gratitude as that is is that guy i was talking right. about in the in the squatter village in the philippines they shared yeah. they shared something in common yeah it um which seems to be that grat some aspect of gratitude or or uh generosity as well yeah. um because like we would be brought into to these little you know we would go over to someone's house they're were, obviously we're americans they're in the squatter village in the Philippines and then they would bring food to us. And like, like, that's, it's amazing. <laughs> when I was, when I was in Costa Rica, we were out in this like tiny, tiny village and um, I might've shared this, but we we were there to have dinner with the people and they brought out like a box of cornflakes. Cause they thought that's, <laughs> there, there was like the only thing they thought of like, what do Americans eat? We don't want to just feed them beans and rice. <laughs> So like they bought us, they brought cornflakes out. We ate cornflakes with them. And, and, uh, it was like the literal Kellogg's cornflake box. And, and the pastor afterwards told us he was, he was like that, that box of cornflakes probably cost 10 times more than their normal meal. You know, like they went out of, like, they went out of the way to go to town or when they were in town, they like looked fine. Try to find that. He's like, they can't afford that. He's like, <laughs> And and then you uh, got to eat
0: all that with gratitude.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> and I, I was, I mean, I, I kind of wish kidding. they would have just made rice and beans. Cause I like yeah. That. But, yeah, Yeah.
0: No, same thing happened to me in India. It was like, they they want to know what I wanted to eat. And I was like, well, at home, I do like cereal. And then they bring back cornflakes. And I was like, I kind of <laughs> like your cooking better, but I, right.
1: like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. funny. I even kind of remember that the pastor had told them and to then not buy that, but we're not like you don't need to do that and they're like no we have to like this this will be better than just our food because they kind of felt ashamed of like whatever they were you know just chicken and rice or whatever it's like it's fine yeah Yeah.
0: that's great i like that story Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think where you guys are talking about gratitude that makes a lot of sense um yeah, there's that verse in Proverbs where he says, "These two I request from you: give me not before I die; give me, uh, neither poverty nor riches, lest I be full and deny you, or lest I be poor and steal and profane in the name of my God." But mm. I mean, I think, like you're saying, I think you can be both and be grateful. Of
3: and, course. Uh,
0: yeah, I think it kind of gets at. I've been trying to go through the Book of Ecclesiastes with Mitch lately. I think it kind of gets at. What i think is kind of the heart of that book too is where it just kind of for me that's what that book does is it refocuses my vision i think on uh i think it's i keep telling him i'm like to me it's the most meaningful book in the whole bible because it'll sit there and say meaningless meaningless or vanity of vanities yeah yeah. and i'm just like but it's just it refocuses my eyes on on what's on the things that are eternal and not the the things that are fleeting and so you can be uh, grateful for all the like the spiritual things like you're talking about it's not even about necessarily not necessary i shouldn't say not about material things at all but not necessarily
2: that well i have to get on my soapbox about gratitude and humility because it's here it. <laughs> do it well what came first the chicken or the egg right what comes first gratitude or humility and and i think to truly be humble, not in a not in a a, a false humility, because there is such a thing. Um, I think that's realized when you are grateful. When you become grateful for everything that is happening in your life and that I mean, in the present moment, right, in the now, um, that's when you're truly humble in the best possible way. right?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Because it 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 gets expressed in gratitude, grat- and gratitude teaches you when you have that posture of gratitude, I think it teaches you that everything is a gift. And um and so it's really out of your hands, right? Yeah you don't control anything anymore not control you're you're receiving Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's really good there's this i I heard it a long time ago and i don't think it was true but somebody told me once that the hebrew people sorry if the dogs are barking they don't they didn't have someone told me the hebrew people didn't have a word for mine and instead of that it was to me but I don't know if that's true or not. I have to ask Jacob. But I kind of liked it though, because it was just like every you look at everything and just say instead of saying this is mine, you say this is to me. And it kind of for me it created this it creates this gratitude because yes. everything I'm looking at every every dollar I have is to me, and so it uh, every every breath I take is to me. It's all a gift.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But. I think that's really Uh, important. I'm really glad you brought that up.
2: My sister said to me once, she said, You have to remember that this is not happening to you. It's happening for you. You know, when you're in a in a bad situation. Yeah. It's Um,
0: hard. Yeah. How do you do that though? Because that's that's extremely difficult. And um
2: You just say it out loud.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's true. I mean,
2: I think seriously, a lot of times in the in the mirror.
0: it's (laughs) a that's good break yeah that's that's probably really good because you were you know um I bringing up mitch again we were talking we were doing a video on ecclesiastes when we got um that message from Cal recently where he's just you know kind of going through some stuff i'm not gonna share any of that but then uh immediately we had just like just talked about the chinese farmer too and we were just kind of like how do you tell someone to just Chinese farmer their way through this? It's like, it's <laughs> when the pain hits you, it really hits you. And it's hard. It's hard to, well,
2: to deal with when it.
3: Then,
2: yeah, I don't, I don't think you do. You're like, we always feel the need to fix things, right? Like, And so somebody, somebody who's suffering, um, we want to, we want to fix whatever's ailing them. And uh, sometimes that's good. I mean, if they have a disease or they're sick and they need nursing back to health, and you know, but some things they just have to go through, and and they need someone to go through them with. And I think that's it.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. You know? uh, what is that called? One Job's friends, the the thing, well. yeah. <laughs> the thing they did well. Yeah, the thing they did well. Book. They, they started quiet. Yeah. When they you know, when they were quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's hard to like that's the one thing about that book too is i think i think that's why i really appreciated your guys look at it because you're coming trying to come at it from a lot of different angles and even angles that you didn't necessarily agree with you would bring up and so it's like some people see it this way um because uh like i told jess before it seems like every time i hear someone talk on the book of Job, it's Job it's always unsatisfying or rubs me the wrong way and one of the things i've heard people do in the past is they'll they'll completely throw out everything his friends said because they'll be like, see, God rebukes him at the end. So there's no truth in anything they said. And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily right. Cause you actually read some of the stuff and God actually repeats a few things they say. And so you're like, Mm -hmm. there's actually, uh, they're just, I don't mean, I don't know how to describe them. I guess they're just mean. They don't, they don't speak rightly of God, but it's um, like, they don't convey, I think his character or his love, but there are, there is like wisdom in some of their words. And so it's like, you kind of have to pay attention when you're reading the book. And
1: yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, like they'll say something like God's God will restore you and give you more than you had before. That's literally what happened, <laughs> but they were totally wrong about the, the situation, the
2: way, there. the way to get there. Right.
1: Yeah. Or even they didn't assess anything correctly, but they mm-hmm. ironically were able to say something that had some sort of truth to it. Like Job would, be rewarded and and restored but it wasn't in the way they thought or how it sort of came about you know like um you know when so like people so all right so there there was a comment on on one of the videos and and the comment it was actually a great comment but part of it was like job is kind of a, a a dangerous book and especially for people that are suffering and I'm just like, I don't have that you know yeah. i I don't have that sense about the book
4: yeah.
1: I, th- I think our and in- there's interpretations of it that are dangerous for people that are suffering, right. but the book itself is not dangerous for people that are suffering, no. and um I think for for me, I think the book itself is actually meant to bring healing, yes Be- because because job gives voice to basically everything that someone who suffers goes through and and god doesn't condemn him so so that right there like because like when when someone's going through a tough time they'll think okay what did i do wrong and and then you, job is so great because there's there's Sometimes we do things that are wrong that will cause us to suffer and we can kind of figure those out. But then there's those times when we're suffering and we're like, maybe I did something wrong and I don't know. And I need to figure it out. But, but Job gives us a great, you can be just like, no, sometimes you suffer and there's, and there's nothing you did. You didn't do anything Mm -hmm. and you don't have to try to find a reason. Mm -hmm. And so, so that, that there is super I think super helpful. And then another thing that's helpful is, is that you're like, well, God's doing this for a reason. And, but that's only in retrospect. You only get to find out the reason at the end. You don't, you cannot, you can't fathom the reason when you're going through it. And even at the beginning, God says to Satan, why did you cause me? Or why did you, entice me against job without reason and so even the reasons that are given are there's no reasons like there there's something to be said about the fact that there's no reason to
3: suffer like there's there's no
1: like one of the worst things you could say to someone who's kind of going through something is like Oh this this is all for a reason. And sometimes people when when they're suffering will say that to themselves too. They'll be like, well th- this is happening for a reason, I know that, but it's just difficult. You be like, you don't have to say that.
4: No.
1: <laughs> you can demand a reason. You can you can okay, ask for easy. it. Yeah. You can seek it, but you don't have to believe that there's a reason, especially for something ter just tragic and terrible. Well, like you, you know- just be like there is no reason and this is what Job this is the first thing Job says is like, I wish I was never born. There's no.
3: There's. There's no justification for any of this. Like. And,
1: you know, (coughs) he's he's vindicated for that. Like, I think Job's right.
3: Yeah,
2: because. but
1: But it's, but it's, it's, it, that's not the whole thing because. Job, everything makes sense once you get to the end or everything will have a reason eventually, but then right now. <laughs> and so I was talking to um, a guy I know and um, he, he had lost his son not recently, like several years ago, but he's still like dealing with all this. And it was like close to his son's birthday and stuff. And, and he, like, I shared some of just those things with him. Um,
3: because, because like, like, just the idea that you don't have to
1: feel guilty. You don't have to find, like, a silver lining. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to, you know, then people feel guilty for how they react. They're like, oh, I'm not trusting God enough. You don't have to do any of that. You can you can um Yeah, I just shared some of that stuff with him and he just he cried and I cried with him and um like I I felt <laughs> like it was a like it was a good conversation.
3: Yeah.
1: And he opened up and he started sharing all this stuff. Like I could tell like it wasn't like I preached to him or whatever. And then then like trying to fix the situation. I, I basically was like, yeah, it sounds like you're going through it, man. And then shared how Job cried out, how there was no reason for his suffering, this kind of stuff. And then in response to that, he just started sharing
3: all these things about his son. Hmm. And I mean you know like what it, I I I still don't like I think the book is there to
1: help people. I I think
2: it is there. So heart.
1: yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to share that because it, I've I've seen it yeah um it's not like it it works it's not like it works because that's not the point the point is not for something to work or to get fixed or whatever it's just it's just what is and uh yeah it's just how it is and to and to give voice to that um it's I don't know. I mean, you, you see how emotional I am about it. It's just like, it's overwhelming. Yeah. It's, uh, it's powerful in such a, you know, in,
3: in, yeah. Yeah. When I saw that comment
2: saying that it was such a dangerous book, the way I understood it um, was that it's a dangerous book because because it doesn't it it begs all the questions right kind of thing right and um but maybe that's not what he was talking maybe maybe he was talking I about, yeah I don't know but um like the, that things can happen without a reason um I get this sense that um you know like the satan doesn't doesn't like doesn't like mankind he doesn't like god's plan to use mankind as a mediator doesn't think mankind is worth the effort he thinks that we're weak right and and um you know maybe even maybe he's even jealous because he's like the best of all all angels right and and why didn't he get chosen for this job um and that's what and, and and that's where god keeps just saying my strength is made perfect in weakness my strength is made perfect in weakness and the one thing that we do really well is suffer like if you think about <laughs> it's true we do we do it really well number
1: one in suffering human human yes, beings
2: human beings
1: <laughs>
3: Like
2: we we excel at it like you know uh, somebody that was who's close to me was telling me about their childhood and they just they recently found out that they you know that they had been um uh, you know terribly abused but because it was so terrible they had repressed all the memories so they didn't You know, and now the memories are slowly kind of coming back because they were informed, you know, that they, that this and this had happened to them more than once, you know, and, and, you know, she said to me, well, how, how, how is, how is that even possible? Like, why, why do we do this? And I said, because we're really good at this. We're good at suffering, you know, we're, we're good at making The worst case scenario are normal. You know, I also know of another woman who was terribly abused from infancy till she was 17 years old. Right. By an alcoholic. And um, she didn't know that it wasn't normal. And she, she, she went to school and she was happy. I mean, she suffered. She suffered, has suffered since because she suffered from the trauma of like, of what that does to a person period. Mm-hmm. Like it does something to, to you, but you know, the thing is, like I said, I said to this other person who who talked to me about their repressed memories. And I said, you have to remember that nobody gets away scot-free from this life. We all suffer. Okay. And, and somehow that is making us, right? And we get to exercise our free will at some point. And we get to choose if we're going to continue to ascend, transcend, or descend, right? Which, which, in a sense, doesn't really matter, because it's not a straight line, it's a circle. So at some point, you're going to ascend anyways. (laughs) You know, like, if you go down, you're coming back up somewhere, right? So, I'm I'm not saying this as comfort to someone who's suffering, you know, but I did say to her, because she she actually came to that conclusion on her own. She said, I just realized that this is the journey that I'm making. This is my life. And I said, that's right. That's exactly what it is. It's your life. And look at who you are today. She's an amazing person, hmm. you know. And all of that contributed to what I'm looking at right now. Somehow,
3: somehow it did, you know? Yeah.
0: But does this, um, I guess I have a question here. Because when even when we started the conversation, I used the word offended. And maybe that wasn't the right word to use either. Because there, it seems like even in all the suffering, um, When it works the best is when we stay grateful and that's kind of when like your friend your friend was staying grateful Mm -hmm. and i guess maybe the word i should have used is like maybe resentful or something like you have opportunities in your suffering to become resentful and then you're no longer like mediating at that point it seems like you're just
2: that's why when peter said resentment and bitterness is the road to hell I was like, that's exactly right. That's the descent. Yeah. When you take that road, right? And you always have that choice. You have the choice, am I going to be grateful? Yeah. And yeah. walk and walk in humility. I mean, think of David. Mm-hmm. King, King David, who was king while he was hiding, right? He was yeah. king yeah. while he was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> so um you know, the gratitude, I think what the gratitude does is it just, ex- it, it puts you on God's timeline in a sense. If you realize that everything is a gift, then, then you're, you're willing to wait for it to arrive. You know, yeah.
3: you're, you're,
2: you're not, you just, you just know it's coming. You know, like you, you get to exercise faith and patient, long suffering. Like these are the gifts of the spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what, when you realize everything is a gift and, and you, and you live that way, you can do that. I think.
0: I say these things um, that are just so quotable, I like that gratitude puts you on God's timeline. That's really good. <laughs> okay. Then there's a. What's this? I was trying to look up this line because you said when you're gra- when you're grateful, like there's was another thing you said. It said, you know that something good is coming. That reminded me of, of course, George MacDonald again. I'm trying to read mm-hmm. it right now. Uh, I think it was in Fantasies, and he says, uh, yet I know that good is coming to me. That good is always coming, though yes. few have at, though few have at all times the simplicity and the courage to believe it. What mm-hmm. we call evil is only. And best shape, which for the person in his condition at the time could be assumed by the best good. And so, farewell. Amen. But, yeah.
2: And George s- says it again in the best possible <laughs> way.
0: No. Like, he, he inspires me to write, but then at the same time, he kind of, I'm just like, I could never, like, can't compete him. with him. Yeah. It's, it's not <laughs> possible
2: because he's not even human. I
0: know, I know. I'm like, maybe I can just <laughs> write something and then, like, just whatever i write is directing people to him because i'm like but this person said it better go read his books yeah and he was he was tapped into something very special
2: you know what he was tapped into suffering suffering yeah he lost children he was sick he got kicked out of his parish nobody liked him he didn't have any money yeah he was tapped into i'm telling you and You know, not to compare myself to him or anything, but these are the lessons you learn when you suffer. You know, if you, these are the deeper lessons, actually. Yeah. You know, you may learn to get through and you may learn to manage and you may learn, you know, and those are great tools for the rest of your life. But the deeper lessons
3: are all those fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? Because, because you, you, How how do I put it? Well, I've I've said it like there's
2: only one reality. There's only one end of the story. There's only and you're, all, you're and you're on your way mm-hmm. to get you're getting there,
3: right? You'll be fine, you know, even when it's not good.
1: Uh, uh. There was, <laughs> I don't know why this is coming to mind, but I would. I was dating this girl. We, we dated for like, I don't know, like six months or something. It wasn't very long. And, uh, she broke up with me. And so I was, I was, I was very sad about it. Um, and I was, I was at home and, uh, Oh, Sherry disappeared.
3: I'm listening. I'm, I'm I, was, I was at
1: home and, 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 uh, my My dad like was like, "Hey, do you want to talk?" and so I was sharing about it, I started crying, of course, and uh and so I shared just what happened How she broke up with me, and like my dad just was like laughing. He was like, he's like, You'll be all right you <laughs> like, know and I'm, and I, like at the time I was like I was like kind of like, I was like, it's doesn't fun. he know how like heartbreaking this is, but I yeah. could also see like like his levity in the moment. He just had a like a bigger perspective of things. He's he's like he knew
4: something he didn't know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and 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 he just laughed, and uh, uh, I I still think that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I I found that like my boys have my boys are just starting to be teenagers, so they haven't had any serious relationships with girls or anything. But I remember there be times when they were like. Crying about something, and I'd laugh. I'd laugh and be like, "All right, it'll be okay." We're good. and they're like, <laughs>
3: uh... yeah, yeah,
0: yeah." I think learning through suffering. I don't know. Just that staying grateful is key, and then you can learn so much through that if you're able to do that. It's hard too because even even talking about earlier when we were talking about the. Kind of learning from people in poverty and stuff too um i find i guess is maybe, maybe this is just personal, but I find like myself there's uh i I can get very complacent very easily in my things or in my routine or whatever and um and I find like when I have less there's almost less uh i don't know i i guess i guess you could say less clutter like even in my mind it's like less to worry about. Like even mm-hmm. if I have uh, like it, I I, I maybe mean, because it's just less responsibility too, or something. If you have if you have less right. to take care of, or something, I don't know, which is probably isn't a good thing. But um, I don't know. But even so like even fasting, like trying to fast in my personal life, um, there's a there's a difference though. Like I can, I feel like I learned a lot through that. And there's a way where you can even identify with people suffering because when we were in Ukraine, um, one of the the guys there was talking about how he had to grow up and he was talking about how him and his siblings, sometimes they'd go three days without eating or anything. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I know what that's like because I've done that. But then at the same time, I don't know what that's like because any moment when I'm fasting, I could go to the fridge and get something if I wanted to. Like I've never been in the position where you can't in your, you don't know when your next meal could even be there. And that's like, right. There's like a, there's something to where it's not quite the same, but um but there is something where it's almost nice because in a in a small way I can at least maybe identify uh and empathize with that more or something but I don't know there's something I think to the mediating aspect of of suffering and like you mentioned Jess with the book of Job I I wouldn't think my thought would be totally with you i wouldn't think like the other guy i would think total opposite i would think this is job is the suffering man so if you are suffering this would be the book to go to
1: because it would resonate
0: with you and um i don't know i don't know that it uplifts you like you said it just kind of is but it's it's something
2: but you have to really spend time with job in order to you know get something like, if you're, if you're going to read the Bible, like I think a lot of people do, where, where they just want a word of encouragement, you know, mm. it's like their daily devotions or whatever. Yeah. Job is not the book to go to. It isn't, because you don't get an answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, and in that's fact, it, answer, it,
2: that's yeah, and it your. can be more
1: confusing, and it can be, like, discouraging.
2: Right. Yeah. And that's your answer. And that's why, like, I in response to that guy's comment, when he said it's a dangerous book, especially for the suffering, I, I agreed with him, because he said it's like dynamite right? Because it blows mm-hmm. up everything that you, th- and, and, and you've seen that Jess and, and I've seen it where people either completely ignore the book of Job. Oh yeah. I, you know, I think Jacob has said that every, time I bring it up, so I've never studied that book and I always want to go, why not? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> or, or they say, I hate the book of Job. Right? Yeah,
3: I, can't, not, I don't
2: like it. I have a friend who's
1: just cannot stand it. He's like, "This is the worst book. God's <laughs> gaslighting Job, blaming <laughs> him." Like,
0: <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I get that response to a lot too. Like, my favorite book is Ecclesiastes, then Job is in my top five for sure. But it's always it's always like, "What? Why, why do you like those books?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least it kind of ends well, though, Like, are you guys familiar uh, Psalm eighty eight? I someone t- I heard this somewhere, but I don't know if it's the only psalm, but it definitely is one where it ends and it just ends bleak. Like there's nothing good about uh, it. It's it's one of those where like you read through and it's, because I know people when they're going through suffering, a lot of people, I think instead of reading Job, they'll resonate with the psalms a lot because of everything David went through. And But this one is just kind of like, why are you doing this, God? And then, then the last line, because usually the psalms are kind of like that, but then at the end, they'll kind of praise and they'll be like, but you're still my God, or it's somewhat uplifting. But this one, it's like a loved one and friend you have put far from me, and my acquaint and and my acquaintances into darkness. And that's like the last line of it. It's just like <laughs> just keep going down, and then like, all right, well, there you go. <laughs> well,
2: Jess, this was in the um the chapter in Meditations on the Tarot this morning that I read, and I when I read it, I thought of I thought of you. I wanted to share it with you. Um,
0: Be nervous. Nervous? No, I'm just. Kidding. She's like, when I read this, I thought of you. i
1: What's
2: it gonna say? <laughs> oh no! No, I it just says, know. he'll I know he'll this guy listen.
1: is a total jerk, and it reminded me of you.
2: No, no, I know he'll enjoy those.
1: Oh, okay. Um.
2: Tradition teaches, and every serious esotericist and occultist knows that it is so, that the archangel Michael is the arc arch strategist i.e. that he directs the celestial army why is he in charge because his faith hope and love are such that they have put him in charge for to be in charge signifies in the spiritual world to be less subject than others to doubt despair and condemning judgment will you condemn me just so that you can be right right tradition teaches
3: that the archangel michael represents the sun oh hang on a second i have to My shingles is acting up, and when that happens, oh, no.
2: it's in my chest. And yeah, anyway. Okay. The moon, the archangel, Raphael, Mercury, the Archangel, Anael, Venus, Zachariah, Jupiter, Orpheal. Anyways, it goes through. Why the sun for Michael? Because the sun is the visible symbol, the image of faith, hope, and love. It sheds light on the good and the wicked. Without leaving or quitting its central post. Yes, the greatness of God Himself, i.e., of what is divine for us in Him, is not His power in the sense that He is stronger than the totality of forces in the universe, nor His foreknowledge in the sense that He foresees, as a perfect engineer, the future functioning of the forces of the world machine, pre calculated and predetermined, nor even the fact that he is absolutely indispensable as the center of all gravitation, spiritual, psychic, and physical of the universe. No. What is truly divine in God, i.e. what makes every knee bow before him, is his faith, his hope, and his love.
1: For just as
2: we believe in God, so also does God believe in us. But with a divinely greater and more elevated faith, his hope with regard to this immense community of free beings that we call the world is infinite just as his love for these beings is infinite and this is this is why i i said that satan would like to think that we shouldn't suffer jesus shouldn't suffer right that's what peter said and and jesus said to him get behind me who satan right and and what are we really good at are really good at suffering. <laughs> we do not worship God because he is able to do more than us or because he knows more than us, but rather because he has more faith, more hope, and more love than us. Our God is infinitely noble and generous, and not only all powerful and all informed. God is great through his faith, hope, and love. And the fear of God is basically that of offending such nobleness and generosity so,
3: and I that, and I truly believe that this is exactly why God was
2: able to say, "Have you seen my righteous servant Job?" Because he has faith in us
4: mm-hmm.
2: and hope and love., yeah. and he knows yeah. we can handle it. He knows yeah. he knows. Yeah. What's happen- he knows the process. How I've always put it, Jess? He knows the mm-hmm. process. Yep. Yeah. That's
1: yeah, right. and we see that in the in the book of Job, how God has to trust Job. Because the accusation laid against it against Job is Satan says, Well, of course he's righteous because you have a hedge of protection around him and you bless him. So he's he's basically leveling the accusation. He's like, Job's not actually righteous. He doesn't actually love you. He's doing it because it pays, it pays off. And the reason why it pays off is because you're protecting him and you're controlling everything. And and so basically God has to give God stops protecting, God stops controlling. Mm-hmm. And so what is, you know, people like to say, like, oh, God's always in control. Now I think that's true, but it, it's not on the on the level of this sort of mm-hmm. God's not manipulating everything. It's exactly what you're talking about, Sherry. Like he has hope and faith and love in everything. Mm-hmm. And that's like a much deeper level of he actually trusts that he's like he's like, do it. And I trust that Job will come through with this. And this
2: is where this is where it gets to that withdrawal, right? In order to withdraw, he has to have faith, hope, and love.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah right
1: Mm -hmm. and and what happens in the end does like god's justified in the end too but job is even more glorified as well like like it's not like god smashes job and and then is like hey aren't i great (laughs) it's like everything gets more glorified
2: Except it, for, I mean, who who's the loser in the in the book of Job? I would say it's Satan, because everything that he said would happen did not happen. It actually, it actually was was glorified, like it was it it was it was magnified.
1: Yeah. Well, and even the friends are are mediated humbled. Yeah, and and what was their main thing is they 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 shared that same sort of mm-hmm. distrust. Just unfaith in man. Mm -hmm. They're just like man's a moth. He's gonna get crushed. Yeah, it's best just to like let's stick to our role. Let's appease God. Let's not, you know, let's not do anything rash or or stupid because we're they had the low view of man, and Mm -hmm. and you know, it was God and Job that sort of had this higher view of who man is
2: yeah yeah what is it the spirit says just there is no one righteous i i i grew up in a calvinist like maybe i don't know i don't know what the difference is hyper calvinist i don't to me it's all the same i heard that all the time there's yeah. no one righteous no one
1: right yeah the, the spirit in the dream says, Can mortal man be in the right before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? Even in his servants, he puts no trust, and his angels, he charges with error. Yeah. yeah. Where, where is that in Romans that says that?
0: No one righteous. Do you know, Jason? Uh, let's try. I'll find, I'll, find I'll find it. I'll find it. I'm on it. You're uh, supposed to be a, no, Bible, a Bible. I know. You should, should it, right? Yeah, <laughs> that reputation is gonna get me in trouble. I don't know where it is, but I know what you're talking about. I could do it Look in here. There's none righteous, no not But uh, one. but
1: I feel like isn't isn't that a problem with the way like we frame the gospel, where we yes. frame it?
2: It is a frame problem.
1: It it yeah. we frame it and we want when when it gets framed to the denigration of man, like. It It's this weird thing where, like, the friends in their desire to speak highly of God, they denigrate man to a level where there's this just this infinite gap between man and God, and there's nothing like everything's hopeless. Um, if you consider it in those terms, um,
2: yeah, right. When you say the word gap, like in Ezekiel, where God's looking for some, someone to fill the gap, right? Mm
4: hmm.
2: And and that's that happens to be a human being. See, this is the thing: there is a gap, but it's only the human being that fills it. So that's um, that's Romans three ten to twelve. There is no one. Oh, and it's actually there no
1: It's actually a quote from the Psalms.
2: Yeah, Psalm probably 14, 1 to three or fifty three
1: one. Yeah, it's quoting Psalm uh, 53 one or 14. Yeah, I the think fool says wolf. in his
2: heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from, oh, interesting. I didn't, I never checked that. The fool says there is no one who does good. And then 53, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. And there is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. So God looks down looking for the guy to fill the gap. Anybody. It's kind of that story of uh, Lot abraham sodom and gomorrah right where abraham's like well what if there were 10 righteous men what if there was just one?"
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, yeah. right Mm -hmm. and abraham's pleading on their behalf in a way too even before god goes there yeah Um, because i think that's to me that seems like the things god's looking for that that one to yeah to stand in the gap between him and Mm -hmm. him and creation uh because there's because if God is perfect or ideal, it's like that. Uh, I think you said this, Sherry, when he just shows up, he just shows up. And that'll just like, it'll obliterate you in a way. Because it's just the, the glory of him is oh, when love is right before you. It's just like, it's kind of all consuming. And His love in it, is his fire. And so it's, um I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. It's like, I'm always talking about truth and mercy, but it's just kind of like if the if the truth is there, if you have the ideal, so something is very, you just see it in all its perfection. It's like um, it needs a mediator to get to it, and it has to kind of, uh, it has to and it has to be connected through something, and it's through something like a, a self-sacrificial spirit, a spirit of love, because otherwise, um, whatever is the ideal will. Will judge what doesn't live up to it you know and whatever is and so it kind of has to die to itself or it has to have this mediating force to be able to to pull one Mm -hmm. to the other because it's like he'll the i don't know it's just he he needs yeah there has to be the the mediator he's he's looking for that god's looking searching for man to find the man to to reconcile all things back into himself it's like this it's constant, constant pulling. It's constant mediating of trying to pull things back together. But the hard part is like, it's not only just being mediated, uh, being reconciled back to God. It's like, you have to, you have to be reconciled back to each other too. It's like this. I I can't see it any other way at this point. Like it has to being reconciled back to God is being reconciled back to your brother as well. Um, because if we're all found in God, I don't know how God can be all in all if we're, if we're not mediating for each other. And so I think that's what he's looking for. He's looking for, uh, for you, for you to die for your, to lay down your life for your brother. Um, because I mean, I would think I'm not a father, so I don't know, but I would think if a dad, uh, showed up and was going to even just, just as an example, if he just showed up and his son had done wrong, so he was going to punish his son and then his his other son stepped in and said, "I'll I'll take the punishment for him." I would think that would almost please, please the father in a way to see, uh, the the brothers so tightly knit that they're willing to, to lay down their life for one another. But I don't. Know, just, it could just be like I said, I'm not a father, so I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I think as a mother, I'd be like, no,
0: th- <laughs> no, 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 no. I want
2: your brother. <laughs> I want him now.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that to happen. But I don't know. I was reading. Um, I couldn't punish an
2: innocent person.
0: No, no, I don't think you would. I think it's just the spirit of it. The heart of it is, uh, to me, it's. I don't know. And that's.
2: I mean, we you know we like that idea in Christianity because that's what we think Jesus did, but he didn't do that. Well, <laughs> I just had this long conversation with my nephew about apocatastasis, you know, and. He said something like, well, you know, Jesus, what, you know, Jesus wiped away all the sin and sacrificed himself. And I'm like, no, Jesus trampled death by death. That's a totally different thing. You know, in my, in my opinion, I don't, I just don't, I don't see how any of that, I know there's a lot of that language, but I don't think that's what Paul's talking about. But it gets interpreted that way. And um, there's something more mysterious going on. And I don't mean mysterious in a way that you can't know it, but mysterious in a way that's very spiritually profound.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I hope I'm not sounding that way. Like, I'm not trying to paint it as like God had a bloodlust and Jesus had to fill it. I don't think it's, uh, I hope that's not how it's coming across because I don't no. believe that at all. I think it's just, um, any act of forgiveness is kind of dying to yourself and so in any act of forgiveness is you kind of taking someone else's sins upon you so i think in that way i guess that's how i usually describe it where jesus took you could say he took our sins upon us or whatever it's the same as like if i were to um forgive or that's one of the best examples i know related if, if to it out?
2: i wonder what you think of this this is just i'm just throwing this thinking yeah yeah um, what if forgiveness is actually incorporating the other person into your own self?
0: Yeah, it is,
2: yeah, because because what it is is it's a it's a show of empathy, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and yes. you know, what came to my mind is in this chapter here, he talks about ghosts. He talks about ghosts as astral bodies, and astral bodies are electricity, okay? okay. So, you get this residual electricity that's left behind when somebody leaves the earth it can happen. And he describes them as being maniacal because they kind of just repeat the same, you know, it's kind of like there's this residual action that gets left in the world and it just keeps happening. Like, so there's things that go bump mm-hmm. in the night, every night, and or it, or it says the same thing, or it's wearing the same dress or whatever. Right.
1: Older brothers marry first.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: why is that it's from this book that we (laughs) yeah
2: but anyway he he says that there are ways to get rid of them and one of them is to breathe so this is something occultists do and he doesn't recommend it because you get an electric shock because it's electrical so he said you breathe the ghost in and then there will be this show of gratitude from this from the person the soul of the person who died because they couldn't get away because of this residual electricity that was you know keeping them stuck right mm-hmm. and yeah and there's an there's something about forgiveness in there to me for some reason I think you're because right. right
0: i think so like it reminds me of christ where he says your sins are forgiven you and then they say who can forgive sins but god alone and he's like well man can forgive sins and so to me it would almost be like saying to that ghost like it's fine your sins are forgiven you or something like that and then there's mm-hmm. this re this release and so uh but you
2: breathe it, you breathe it into yourself
0: yeah it's so,
2: so it's almost like a like a like a spiritual embrace
0: yeah mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah 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 there's something to that like that's why i think uh the book of philemon there's this line where and you know it's it's kind of it's in this legal format or something like you can kind of get into that but where Paul says in there, he says, receive this person back as a brother and if he has done anything to wrong, you put that on my account. And that always stood out to me, put that on my account. And it feels like like I don't want to say you're necessarily doing that, but where you're receiving incorporating this, it's kinda like I'm I don't know. Uh at least I don't know that you're absolving someone <laughs> That's going to sound so bad coming out of my mouth. I'm solving someone of their sins, but it's, there's a way like where um, you, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think you're, yeah, you are reincorporating someone not only within yourself, but when you re- reincorporate someone back into yourself, um, then they're reincorporated back into the family, they're reincorporated back into the community and back into the whole, it's like everything is being connected back together. And so if, if one man will stand in the gap for one other man, it's like, they'll start to get pulled back in one by one and, and reincorporated into everything. Cause you could continually, like everybody could scapegoat one person and cast them out. Like even, even with Hitler, like you, use that as example. But if, if one man just said, no, I, this is my brother. Like I'll, I'll like, you can damn him all you want. He needs to punish for his sins, be punished for his sins, whatever. But He's still my brother, um, so I'm still gonna have some sort of concord to him. Like, there's if someone's willing to stand in that gap, I think, uh, no matter how long that takes, I think eventually things will be reincorporated and made whole and back and meet and be made right. Because I don't necessarily see how, see how things are made right if there isn't a sense of forgiveness, like with repentance working there. And I think it's when the, the, to me, I just see it as the re the resistance of that, like I'm trying to think about right what to say it. Like, even you were, if you were, I don't know the whole ghost thing. Cause I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but I'm trying <laughs> to relate it. But like, even if you were trying to say to this ghost or whatever, like, um, I like, I forgive you. Like, I'm going to breathe you in and receive you back. Um, it's like, if they resist that, it's like, there's still this torment going on for him or something. It's like, not until they turn turn back repentance is as in turning like you talk about like just kind of a coming back not until they come back and let you receive them back will they actually be released and resolved and at peace and shalom it's like there's this uh,
2: well the way I understood it maybe I maybe I don't have it right but in the book I don't think they have much of a choice like you just determine that you're breathing this ghost in right you're gathering it in and and it's some form of electrical, you know, residual electrical energy. So I don't even know if it's the whole person. It's kind of a part, part of the person, yeah. you know. And it's got them snagged, you know. Um, and they can't they can't continue their journey until this somebody takes care of this snake. <laughs>
0: this yeah this is incredible incredibly fascinating i like this though but i do for some reason it strikes me as i'm trying to play with it because it strikes me with forgiveness too
2: yeah when you were talking about forgiveness because see i think about everything as incarnation anyways right so like when you think about the man standing in the gap or job as a mediator Mm -hmm. what he's doing is he's bringing back into contact right into contact so things can touch That's why the the gap for me is it's a place where nothing can touch, right? Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Yeah. That's what it is. And when you have a mediator, suddenly things can touch again. And you know, you could say connected, but why don't we think about it as actual touching? And and so if you imagined everyone in the world holding hands, what would they become? They would become a body of people, right? Like we would even call them a body. and and so and that's incarnational to me, you know? So forgiveness is like breathing in that spe- that ghost, you know, that residual electrical energy. it's it's I think it's a similar act, is all I'm saying. I'm not saying that in order to forgive someone, you have to breathe them into yourself.
0: Yeah. But you know, yeah. But I know. Yeah, I, I, I get you.
2: But my daughter said to me when she was like three and a half, I tucked her into bed and everything. And I was leaving the bedroom and she goes, mommy, wait. And I, I said, what? She goes, I love you so much. I could breathe you into my eyes. <laughs> right. It's nice. I know. It's lovely. And I, ah, and yeah. I thought that's what you want to do, though, with someone you truly love. You want to crawl inside of them. Mm-hmm. You want to be incarnated in
3: them, mm-hmm. right? Somehow.
1: Have you guys ever seen *Spirited Away*?
3: Ah, uh,
0: long time no, I've ago. Heard
2: about it. I've heard about it. I heard it's really good.
1: Like as you guys are talking, all I'm thinking about is is that Spirited. movie. So, like the 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 premise of the movie is there's a little girl. She ends up getting lost, and then she kind of gets transported to the spirit realm and then she ends up at this bathhouse so this is in i mean it's anime so it's like it's in in japan and so there she's in this bathhouse trying to work because her parents get turned into pigs and so she's like trying to figure out what to do so they say well so and so can help you but you have to get a job to stay here you can't just you or you'll disappear or whatever Anyway, she's working in the bathhouse, but there are all these spirits that come in and they're all kinds of weird creatures and stuff, and they're coming to get washed at the bathhouse. And then but she never judges anything, like good or evil or whatever. She just sort of sees things as they are, which kind of makes her character and, and she she has and she's not like a a perfect like she's not like a, like she's very immature at the beginning and then as she she goes through the movie she she sort of um grows grows up but there's like one this this spirit comes and it looks like this gigantic slug and like all the slimes like coming off of it and stuff and it's crossing the bridge going to the bathhouse and everyone that works at the bathhouse all this all the creatures and people that work there are freaking out they're like oh no it's a stink spirit and it like smells terrible and everyone's like leaving and running away but they can't stop it because it's so big and it's just like slowly just like moving towards the bathhouse. So they, you know, so she's working there and they like make, her name Sin in the movie. So they like make Sin do it. So they they make her take care of this gigantic ugly monster and they put her in the in large bath or put the monster in the bath and then she pours water on it and and like ends up <clears throat> what happens? I don't know. Anyway, she ends up like she's, she's like, Oh, there's something wrong. Like she senses like there's something wrong here. It's not just, it's not a stink spirit. And, and she, she uh gets like grabbed by it or something. And she feels like she's like, Oh, there's like a thorn. It's got a thorn in it. So she starts yanking on it, trying to pull the thorn out. So she has like this empathy. Cause she's like, I know what it's like to have a thorn. I would, I, so she starts pulling on it, ends up being like the handlebar of a bicycle. And she pulls out this whole bicycle that's connected to all this other trash and garbage and whatever. And as soon as she starts pulling it, it just goes and like explodes out of this, out of this monster. And, and like all the, just all this trash and mud and gunk and like everything comes pouring out. And it turns out it was actually like this river spirit that, that was like all polluted and, and stunk up. But then like, once she pulled that out, like, it was clean again and then then like it gave her it ends up giving her like this seed um but and it like thanks her and then like flies away and it's like a dragon it's like swooping through the sky or whatever but like none no one else in the bathhouse could do that could and she she was she didn't want to take care of it she was kind of forced to but she wasn't like oh this is terrible i just gotta like um i don't know she didn't and then there was another one where this This no face monster who doesn't like have an identity. It's like got a mask on. It's like a ghost, and no face comes in. This movie, it's so good. It's so freaking good. But she does the same thing with no face. Like no face turns into like he starts eating stuff. Figures out that people want gold, so he starts just like gold just appears in his hands. And so everyone in the bathhouse is like, let's let's go. We got to get some gold. And like so everyone in the bathhouse is like serving this this spirit and he's like getting bigger and bigger and just eating everything. And like, and, and like he wants to, I don't know, Anyway, it's <laughs> great. And
0: this is the one that has no face. That's just eating everything.
1: Yeah. Or, so he's got a, he's got a mask and he's like just devouring everything. But then he's like, he offers, send some gold. He's like, huh? And she's like, no, because all she wants is her parents back. She doesn't care about the gold or whatever. And so, and then eventually, like this, starts driving the monster crazy because he wants, because he can control everything except for her.
4: Yeah. And
1: and so he fig- he like anyway, she she ends up taking the seed from the 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 river spirit, and then feeding it to him, and then he ends up like throwing up everything that he ate, and so he returns back to normal size. But she like she's like, you can just come with me, just follow me. And she and he like just starts following her around and goes on the adventure with her, and eventually he gets a job. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have to watch this movie. That's great. Mm-hmm. How do yeah, people come up with this stuff? This is amazing. I, I love that movie. That's like one of your dreams, Jess. <laughs> I
1: know, right? Yeah, that's But really like, cool. I was thinking about that when you were talking about breathing the spirits in or something, and like, uh, because she she like she like res- like especially with those two spirit characters like she resolved something that was like a big problem and it wasn't obvious like everyone thought the problem was this was a stink spirit when actually it was a river spirit that had a thorn Mm -hmm. you know that was the pollution and then the problem with no faces he had nothing to do he didn't know what his identity was and she didn't either she wasn't like forcing she's like come with me and he ends up like he ends up yeah basically getting a job and start doing things he starts knitting <laughs> like, <all this> stuff <laughs> like no face is knitting and like he's just happy he's like
0: <laughs> it's just so weird i love stuff like this because like i would probably watch that and just have no idea what any of it was and then later on in life it would hit me and i'd be like oh this is that thing with the stink spirit
1: like, yeah but it. Miyazaki, <laughs> he's so like intuitive like he won't even like finish a script Like as the movie's getting made, they're like making creative decisions along the way. Yeah. And so, like, like there's something like, you know, someone without an identity, they can become monstrous because they're just eating everything, just like this this no-face spirit. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it, you know, who knows what the seed was, something magical that she got from the river spirit. But he ends up like vomiting everything out. He's back to his non-identity. And then then he just basically needs kind of like cuz she, she wouldn't give in to him she wouldn't just do whatever he wanted even when he was a monster she's she's like no you f- just follow me and ends up following her and then it's like the little thing like he's he like learns how to knit and take care of a house with this with this witch lady but but it's like if you don't have an identity you just start small you start with the little things you learn how to do something little and
2: yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, goes to that, that goes to the idea of, um, like I realized, when, when you want to know who you are, a good way to do that is to ask, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? Because it's only a certain person who wants to do a certain thing, right? So you can att- somehow, like this is totally psychological, psychological mm-hmm. but but you know for example when i when i realized that i had you know this like creativity and conscientiousness and they i was equal in portion to uh, both of those things and i thought mm-hmm. well i have to divide my so- my time 50 50 what am i going to do and then you have to really find out who you are
4: mm-hmm.
2: to find out what it is that you want to do mm-hmm. right Like doing
1: anything
2: are, you know, they're tied up in each other. So that's interesting.
1: Like, like my older son is very, he's, he's very quiet and he's very introverted and he's very agreeable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like when he was 16 now, so like when he was younger, you just told him to do something and he just does it. Like he doesn't like he basically just wanted to do stuff with people. Like that's Mm -hmm. all he wanted. Like he doesn't have any personal preference. He didn't have any idea like, and of like what, what to do. And then, and then because he like, he didn't. So like a friend would be interested in something, but because he wasn't interested except when he was around that friend, like he never did otherwise. So he was never as good. Like if they're playing a game, he's never quite as good or coordinated or whatever. Like it, because he didn't it wasn't something he wanted to do he just wanted to be with people and so he ended up just doing all kinds of different stuff we had him in soccer we had him in um we he was in band in school he's still in band in school um but like so last year was his freshman year um and he did a video production class so i i work in video in video production and so he's like he's like i want to do the video production class because he's like dad does video production and so he he takes the class and then and then uh the the teach like it's not like I'm making animations and I'm doing editing and stuff and the teacher that's teaching the class is like from a news background so she has everyone like write a script and be on camera and record stuff for them on camera and so he, because he's shy and stuff he he doesn't want to do that so he basically just doesn't do assignments and so like He's got an F in the class. and So me and my wife were like trying to think like he can't get an F in this class. So, so I'm like, well, I'll just pressure him until he gives in because it's like, if I tell him he has to do it, he'll just do it. And it'll be good for him because he can just do the assignment and be on camera and it'll be okay. Like, he'll just see that it, he'll be okay. And, and even if he doesn't want to do this, he can mm-hmm. at least like go through that he just refused. He was like, nope. I was like taken back because this is not, this is, that's like not his personality. He's like always agreeable. And he, and, and he said, he's, he was like, he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't do these things. Or, or he was like, he was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not good at this. Like he wasn't saying like, it wasn't denigrating. He was, he was like, he's like, this is not me. I can't. Yeah. And, it, I it, yeah and he wasn't like saying it, like, I can't do it. Like he yeah. doesn't believe in himself. He's like, he's like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and um. it was like, <laughs> I was, I was like simultaneously proud and frustrated. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. well, now he, now he's going to fail the class. And I was like, I, I guess that's what's just going to happen. And I just told him, I was like, you're going to fail the class. You know that. And he just sort of sat there, you know, and there's, you know, I just sort of from there on out, I was like, I'm not going to pressure him <laughs> anymore. Yeah. And if he fails it, there's no punishment or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, so he ended up failing the class and didn't do it. But, but like, sometimes that's how it is. It's like, you don't know what you want to do. You don't know who you are or what yeah. to do, but so you just do a bunch of stuff and eventually you'll run into things. and you will be like, that's not me. <laughs> I'm not that type of person. I'm not that. And then, uh, so he ended up wanting to try out for basketball last year. So same year, uh, didn't get on the team because he'd never really practiced basketball or whatever. But for some reason, like this, this was like, he's like, man, I really want to play. And so he's practiced every single day for basketball. And I don't, I don't play basketball. I've never, I don't even I, I don't know anything about basketball. Yeah. But he he's played he practices every day. He's done so for over a year now. He he plays, practices. He was on a team this summer. He he watches every game. He knows every player, he knows their numbers, he knows their stats, he knows like like
2: He loves it. Yeah. Yeah, it's he's coming into his own
1: yeah and it's 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 amazing to see yeah it that, is. and it is so yeah so, and sometimes you know you know what those things are and they drive you like the basketball thing for him and sometimes it's like you know the things where you that you aren't you're like that is not me yeah um, and uh yeah it's cool it's cool to see
0: it is yeah i have a question for both of you both of you since i mean since i don't have kids because you said that that like makes you proud to see him i guess find his own identity um i guess is that because sometimes you see that i think happen through like rebellion when kids will do that and they'll go off and find themselves mm-hmm. and get into bad stuff how does A parent feel in those situations is it is it hard well i I thought
3: i think
2: Jess just phrased it perfectly when he said proud and frustrated
0: when it's
4: even when (laughs) you see him okay yeah yeah
2: you know it's like well what are you you know i remember my son was grad he graduated from high school he was leaving in two weeks to go to audio engineering school in vancouver for two years it was a two-year program with no holidays and, and, uh, he's, he, he said to me, mom, is it okay if I go camping with some friends at Till Lake, which is like three kilometers down the road from us. And then he goes, there's going to be girls there. And I said, you know what? I can't like the, it would be really dumb of me to say, you're not allowed. <laughs> you're leaving at two weeks. You're going to be in Vancouver. Yeah, you know, you're going to have girls to, in Vancouver. You're going to have to start making your own decisions. That's what I said. And yeah. I mean, I I I didn't tell them what to do every 5 minutes either. But um and he was just standing there with his eyes like, you know. And and I and yeah, and I said to him, "I'll just tell you one thing. If any of those girls get pregnant, you're not going to the audio engineering school." <laughs> <laughs> Staying home, looking after whatever you created. Right. <laughs> That's what I told him. So, make wise choices. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, have fun. Yeah. You know? You know, I think anytime a kid exercises their own identity, it is rebellious. It always comes across to a parent like that. And there always has to be a moment where they say no to their parent. Yeah. Because essentially they're not you. Mm -hmm. And the only way for them to make that clear is, or that, you know, make it clear that they're not you, but also that they don't need your help to be themselves. Right. Because up to this point, they needed help all the time. And all of a sudden, they, they're like, I don't need your help now. I know who I am, and I'm not that, and I'm not doing it, right? And mm. and if you're a wise parent, you'll do it just did. You'll tell them the truth, and then you'll
3: let them be who he is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sounds like good advice it's just it's the different scenarios scale all over there's just so many different scenarios where uh it's hard because the one Jess brought up seems like you know you can almost just be appreciative of of how your your kid's acting in a way but then yeah when you were telling the story of of your son i was at first i thought you were going to say like that there was marijuana there or something instead of girls, or like there was drinking, and then, and then so then it's a little bit more where I think you're kind of like, well, he's exploring. You don't know necessarily that he's finding his true self. And then, uh, I don't know. Is I have an aunt, and she hopefully she's still doing better now. But she, um, just always been like that. Always been extremely rebellious. Uh, always been, she was always drinking all the time. Um, and then it got so bad where she would, she got addicted to meth and it's just like you watch Mm -hmm. somebody like that and you're just like are they finding themselves are they even finding themselves anymore like what's what's happening now it's like they yeah
2: no now they're in the clutches of addiction
0: Mm. yeah and so (laughs) you're not really proud anymore you're just frustrated but it's still like like you said I think you just tell them the truth and then you still love them through it but it's like you you know that they're uh if they were trying to find who they are. They, they missed it somewhere on the way.
2: Well, the it... thing is, Justice's son still got a nap. He still failed the class. And I'm sure at some point, he's going to have to make up for that. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's always consequences to your actions. Yeah. But you don't, you don't have to belittle someone in, the, in a case like that, I think, where That's... you know just as well as they do that yeah. they've discovered something about who they are.
0: You That's know? really true. It's just hard. I can't imagine being a parent in that situation because it's hard because looking at my aunt, it's like kind of even gets into the Job thing a little bit too. Like she's able to touch the bottom of the barrel now. Like if it, when she comes back, it's like, in, you know, she's almost able to reach the uttermost in a way because she's mm-hmm. like, she's been there. I've been living out of dumpsters. I've been selling myself, you know, for drugs. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, so... There is an ident- identity in that because it's like you said those things you did those things it'll it can but God's able to transform it into uh, something much more beautiful. I don't say that, that was you know he can't really say that it was his intention or anything but it's um yeah I like what you're saying like you still there still is the F there and it's like and with my aunt, it's like you said those things there's still consequences but um the redemption of those things is um much more beautiful it's even like with adam in the story of the garden it's like you talk about the fall of man and it's like or just the fall of humanity And it's like well did you see his getting up like it's like that's just almost more glorious it's like like then if he would have never fell it's like i think mm-hmm. that's that's what's what you're talking about we we suffer well it's like and and we get back up and that's what's fascinating
3: it is yeah, I think that's a good note to end on because I should go. <sighs>
0: okay. I did actually have a question for you guys to put you on the spot. I mean, okay. I can end it there. No, no. Could do no, that, no. But, um, okay. This is just kind of a random question. I'm just curious, but someone asked me this a long time ago and I thought it was a good one. If there's one person in the Bible that you would get the chance to meet that you'd want to meet who would who would it be? Oh, Doesn't have to be your favorite necessarily, just one person that you think would be outside most... of Jesus, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy, we'll all get we to meet him. He was, anyway. <laughs> you could meet
1: someone in the Bible,
0: yeah, like a character from the Bible that you think it would just be really interesting to meet him or they'd want to meet the most.
1: Saint John.
3: Mm.
0: Would you do you have a Do you have any a reason why, or would you? What would you ask him?
1: He was the only disciple that was at the cross. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm, That's good. Yeah, it's a good one.
2: I don't know. I think David. I'd want to meet David. He's just my kind of guy. He was totally unpredictable.
0: Yeah, that's a good one too. What about you,
1: Jason? Moses,
2: David, and Moses would be my two. But David would be my top pick, and
0: Moses would be my next.
1: I should have chosen some like obscure king, King Jehoshaphat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mine's a little obscure, but I really like that though. The David and Moses thing—I don't know why. I feel like maybe just because there's been more movies about him, I feel like I would have no idea what they would look like. Like I would just—I feel like if I actually met him, I'd be blown away. I'd be like, dude this is not Charlton Heston. Like what's going on here? <laughs> like, this, is, this is so strange. You can't be Moses. What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> but mine, when someone, I can't remember, it was years ago when someone asked me that and it was probably the st- same answer. Um, but I mean, I'm reading in Genesis together right now. So it kind of, the question kind of came back to my mind because uh, what I answered them was it, was, it was Leah. Because for some reason, I've just always been in love with that one verse where it says that uh, her eyes were tender or her eyes were delicate. And I don't know why. I'm just like, that would just be... I don't know. It's just something about that verse. Where
1: you want like, to take her back she, to the future wants with you. want to
2: steal Leah.
0: Yeah, yeah. She was, <laughs> Jacob didn't like her anyway. So like, Swoop in there. I'll love you. Yeah, yeah. You have pretty eyes. <laughs> Rachel's the Rachel's the one with the pretty body, but at least your eyes are cute. You know? Well, I just... For I, some reason that stands out to me, I'm like, I don't even know what that verse means, but I'd love to see the fact that if you know i believe scripture is inspired that god would say of this one her eyes were delicate her eyes were tender i'm like just uh i don't know something special about that to me i don't know but so that's mine it's kind of obscure but there's i there's probably other ones i'd like i'd like to find a a really weird one too though like one of the weird kings i don't know How
2: how about meeting lot's wife
0: Oh, that, would I that, would, you. that would be great.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that would too, be soon. too soon. Too <laughs> soon.
0: Well, this has been great, guys. Thanks for doing this. It's always fun talking to you.
4: Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, this, yeah. Hopefully, we'll, this will happen more often. I'll be around. <laughs>
1: i'll be around too
2: yeah it looks like winter is actually the sun is shining right now we had some snow this morning so really cool. winter is coming
0: yeah when does it normally? Like, do you normally get snow this early or? we
2: can but it doesn't usually stay on the ground probably oh, all milk right. but it's cold and wet out there, uncomfortable and we've had really great weather up to this point warm and really nice so we'll see what
0: happens i do have one more question and you may know you may not not know i because you guys did the whole study in the book of Job, but when i was reading in genesis um it was giving the, the genealogy of esau um and then it said uh eliphaz was one of his heirs and then it said that there's a chief um it's in chapter 36 and then it said um now, Timnah was the concubine of Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bore Amalek to Eliphaz. Um, and then down it talks about um, there's a chief, Teman. Uh, so like from where the, I guess, Temanites come from, or Temanites, because it mm-hmm. says in Job, El- Eliphaz the Temanite, or something like that. I don't oh, know if maybe nice. it was the same one. I have, I have no idea. Must
1: be. I think oh. I, I read something that mentioned that, but I didn't look at it too deeply. But there there are connections in the story, definitely, between Jacob and Esau. Um, and Job is kind of like a, a Jacob character because, like, uh, um, interesting. I, I can't remember the exact parallels, but it has to do something with, like, um, yeah, I can't remember right now. Like, Yosef was talking to me about that. Um, so That'd be there's... Neat there are parallels between those two stories it'd be cool to like go through the story of Jacob and Esau and and see if you could pull out some of those parallels with Job
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that'd be cool that's been coming up a lot for me lately I don't know why the Jacob and Esau thing I just tried to I was writing a cow about it the other day but yeah mm-hmm. I just I don't know that would be that'd be interesting because then then it made me wonder if the the other two of Job's friends I wonder if they were like maybe descendants of um what are lots, lots, the two tribes that come from Lot? Because there's when Israel well, apparently is.
2: Apparently, they're not Israelites, though. Job is not Israelite.
0: Yeah. There's, so... I think I've heard that as well in the land of Ooze or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't know the history of it. But... I,
2: I just find it really fascinating that, that, it, you know, traditionally speaking, it's thought that Moses wrote the Book of Job as a
3: as a novel. And I heard that from a rabbi. And um,
2: yeah, anyway, I just I, I find that really interesting. Yeah, I could yeah. imagine Moses trying to work out that whole dilemma, you know, of the righteous um, suffering. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's when Moses asks say, the question. Like, yeah. Or show me when he says to God show me your ways or show me your glory. It's like what what's what's the wisdom in letting the righteous suffer?
3: Yeah.
2: And Basically. yeah, because I mean he in his zealousness he freed the the people from Egypt into a into a a life that wasn't Great, right? Yeah, and um, I mean, that's kind of what happened to Abraham, too. He had to get up and go, right? And um, and he made a lot of mistakes when he left, did a lot of dumb things. Like Nate asked me that the other day on Meditations in the Tarot. He said, So, if, if what does your moral conscience say about you just getting up and leaving? And I was like, Well. I would say God told me to. I felt compelled to get up and go. You know, he said, Well, how'd that pan out for you? I said, Not good. <laughs> but it wasn't great for, you know, for Abraham either. And if you think about it, it wasn't great for Moses either, right? I, I think Moses would have ha- had that burden on him because he was trying to do a really good thing for the people, right? To get them away from slavery and give them a place of their own and he never saw that come to fruition
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
2: never got to see that happen you know
0: Mm -hmm. died on the mountain yeah
3: yeah
2: and god buried him and that always really touches me yeah 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 so you know i could imagine moses really meditating on all of that a lot just asking that question i need an answer right like job
3: yeah why do the righteous suffer mm-hmm. yeah Well,
0: i love that you both can talk about the book of job unends like unending like <laughs> you guys just i know right this is great no it's good it's good i love that it's it's the book has touched you both that deeply too. To be able to do that uh,
2: true it's, it's everything i say to jess all the time it's everything that book mm-hmm. it's all the
0: things the oh, things. <laughs> yeah well i can let you guys go thanks again for doing this i'm glad it worked out
1: yeah thanks jason
0: yeah. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. You're welcome. I'll send uh, you the recording or whatever after it's and yeah. its processing thing or something. So.
1: Yeah. you you I'll let you post it first so that the comments can kind of be there.
0: Okay. All right. Either way, it works for
1: me. Yeah. Right. Let's do it on your channel. Okay. And then,
0: uh, then you can post on yours or something. Too. Okay. Yeah.
1: I'll just post it on mine eventually for just to have it archived or.
0: Cool. That sounds great. All right, thanks guys. Um, You
3: have a great day.
2: Me too. See ya. Bye, Jason.